0: What is up, guys? It's Stu. It's another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. And earlier in 2020, I essentially turned off working with new clients. You know, we went from accepting probably one in three, one in four, to probably one in 10 throughout 2020. Because of everything going on, I needed to take care of my home base, which is Urban Movement. We were getting ready to roll out the license model. I just could not devote the time to working with any additional micro gym owners. I am opening that back up. And that number is 40. I will work with 40 gym owners per month. That is it. I currently probably have anywhere from 15 to 18 spots available right now. If you're interested in working with me without any contract, without any bullshit, literally you book it month to month to month for either 30 minutes or a 60-minute call you pick and have full access to Micro Gym University and have a bat phone where you can literally access me via text audio, video, phone call, whatever it is, when shit is popping off in your business, then please shoot me a DM right this fucking second on Instagram, at WTF Gym Talk, and tell me you're interested in working together. I'd love to talk with you more about it. Enough of the plug. Let's get on with the podcast. (laughs) What is up, guys? It is Stu. It is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast, and I have Finley Funston here, the Director of Culture and Experience... Metabolic corporate sounds so official. Yeah, that's uh. for those. Of you, everyone knows I got a love affair with Brandon and what you guys have created. I'm a huge fan of it. Um, do me a favor real quick. If anyone's if I don't want to waste time on like backgrounds and stuff, go check out. Brandon's got a dope new podcast called Plain Guilty. Uh, where he just interviewed uh, Finn, and you can get a really cool background. Badass field hockey player, college likes the party. You know the whole transition of her marketing into where she is now. I don't want to really spend too much time on all that, but real quick, talk about we were just talking about off air. Talk about. Uh, how many years you were at MAD and then just give me the quick timeline of MAD client to MAD trainer to MAD GM to now where you are now and, and then ownership and yeah. then to where you are now.
1: Yeah, cool. Um, so uh, as I was just telling you, I kind of grew up with Kirk and Brandon out of college. I started uh, as a client in June of 2013. Yep. Um, October of 2014, I onboarded as a part-time trainer um, and I had a, a full-time marketing job out outside of that in 20 2017 I uh, the opportunity to step in as the general manager fell into my lap so I ditched the corporate job took the general manager job in 2017 um, so I general I was the GM um, of our two locations from 2017 until actually March 1st of 2021 um, but in january, of 2021 which was really piss poor timing with the pandemic (laughs) my husband and i uh uh entered the ownership structure at mad charlotte um which was super cool i was not that kind of um that kind of came to be from a a conversation with kirk where we were just kirk and i give each other shit all day long that's just like our rapport and uh i was kind of jabbing at him and and uh insisted that made a joke really about you know why don't you just let me be an owner and he was like wait really <laughs> i was like wait really and then it kind of just turned from a joke to like an actual thing and i was, was really honored that the two of them let me in on their baby yeah. um and yeah so i there was some crossover between gm and owner um for about a year okay
0: you had just came into ownership right around – it was because we did the self-made summit here October 2019. It uh-huh. was right around that time. Correct. Yeah. That's when
1: we were kind of negotiating. Yep. And then by the end of the year, we had come to an agreement and then decided to press go in January of the new, uh, awesome. the new year. Yeah. And then when did uh, – in the corporate
0: structure, the new corporate gig. Uh,
1: yes. Um, that took place – so I had a baby in uh, September. I was uh, on maternity leave for about 12 weeks. When I came back – Um, to work, Brandon and Kirk presented to me the opportunity to um, jump onto the corporate team full-time. I had been doing some part-time work with them um, for corporate, even before Z-Growth entered the picture. um, I'd been helping Brandon out with just like blog writing and Instagram and social media and stuff like that. Um, So that became, uh, that actually went on the table like right as I came off of maternity leave. And then we had this, uh, let's see, I came back in we had maybe three or four months of transition once we decided that we would make that shift yeah. to onboard a couple of new guys. And yeah. And then I, yeah. And then I jumped onto the corporate show.
0: I sold out, sold out. So <laughs> I think the most interesting part right here, there's a lot of people that listen to this show and they are either in the coach manager role. They're an employee of the organization or they're an owner. And the one thing that I think is very impressive and It's expected of franchises like so a franchise opens up and they don't they don't open up like, okay, well, the owner is going to go ahead and take his savings and open up and then hire a part time coach six months later and then hire two part time coaches and then have enough money to make them a full time coach like the bootstrap model that myself did when I first started and most solo entrepreneur, you know, micro gym owners do. You guys were able to take you as a coach, a client to a coach. And then to a GM, and you left the corporate gig, right? Yeah. And I've got probably a very similar story with Isaac, where there was a moment there for her where she's like, "Okay, two things to day trade on in our role: we, we I can give people fulfillment in their job, and I can give them compensation. And those are the only two things as an employer I can really provide." At the time, the compensation compared to her corporate job was lower significantly. Like yeah. I started her at like six hundred dollars a month, like when I had maybe thirty clients. Yeah. Fulfillment out the ass. Yes, fucking hated our corporate job. Now, in a franchise model, we we just assume like Orange Theory opens up. There's a there's a budget already for salary for these three individuals for trainers. Like you don't have to grow and build as you grow kind of scenario. But what's really interesting with Metabolic and what you you guys did here, and I want you to speak to this. That role of you going into GM, how much of that was that? very similar was it well compensation wasn't where maybe I wanted to be but fulfillment was really high
1: yes so I uh I I ran the marketing department of um the dealership segment of an accounting firm which Mm -hmm. you heard on the podcast which like wasn't the sexiest thing ever loved my boss the job itself was yeah not for me um so but it was a comfortable compensation I mean I was making some good money as a 20 at the time I was 24 as a 24 year old, no
0: kid, not married, like you know, yeah, limited Uh, expenses. Had
1: weekends, I had like 30 days of PTO a year. I mean, it was fucking unreal. Um, but yeah, I was not fulfilled on a day to day basis, I wasn't like waking up super fucking stoked to go market to dealers (laughs) so the fulfillment piece like was an immediate appeal and draw when this GM role came available but yeah the compensation piece was was I I mean I took a significant pay cut um, from a salary perspective um, but Kirk and Brandon put forth a a really uh, a really awesome uh, bonus structure in place that, um, you know, kind of dangled the carrot for yeah. me to really be hungry on, on growing, you yeah. know, revenue me- through memberships.
0: You guys have an, I I'm going to make some assessment or some, uh, some assumptions here. And I want you to cut me off and let me know where I got it right and wrong. You guys have a sign on the front of the door that says, be great, not late. And I fucking love that. Yeah. All right. You guys lock the door when class starts. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked me early on, why does metabolic do that? And this was actually like a client who maybe had tried a class and had, that had happened to them and they were bitchy about it. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. do you understand how genius that is? Because if it's me, my brain goes to, okay, um, I run front desk during all the classes. That's a, that's a payroll suck for a business if you don't have a good energy exchange system or something like that. But, That way, this uh, a coach or a GM or a human, an employee, can be at the front desk, check people in, hey, what's up, tell them what's going on, blah, 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 can greet a new prospect, and then the second class starts, lock that fucking door, and now you don't need to pay or have somebody manning that front desk for the the fuckhead that's four minutes late because there was traffic on South Boulevard that they didn't anticipate. Exactly. Uh, Which, I don't know why. Uh, You should always anticipate traffic uh, in Charlotte right now. (laughs) Yeah. was that by design of to keep payroll lean and not needing two, three x people per like during the like busier sh- like during those times, or was it just we only want is it was it literally about wanting people that were on time to create a mindset?
1: Both, I would say, I would say the benefits and the reason we do that is multidimensional and not mutually exclusive. So yes, there is definitely the payroll aspect where we don't. Uh, but, Consider how appealing that is as you're selling a franchise to a a prospective owner that they can operate their gym with a lean staff very comfortably, Uh, you know, depending on the model they're taking, whether it's owner operator or owner with a full staff underneath them or owner. I mean, if they wanted to owner GM lead trainer and it's that's a great. Is that typical like a three to four man model? Um, to start, I would say uh, generally you're probably looking at a staff of five to seven once you include all the trainers, um, when you're opening, but as far as running the show goes, you're not, you don't need to go out and, and find, you know, a, a full staff of front desk. Yeah. So like three or, key
0: full-time players and then a handful of the part-time trainers. At- I would
1: say so. Yes. The model will, will vary based on uh, the owner sure. Um, obviously as we grow. But yeah, so there's, there's that benefit. The other benefit is that like, so we, we target the, who we call the high performer. Right. And that individual, I, I I'm really interested in continuing to carve and like own that niche because that individual respects that policy Um, it's distracting when someone comes in late, it's not safe for, especially someone who's newer to what we do, misses any part of the whiteboard speech or the demonstration. Um, we guarantee you're in and out of the doors within 50 minutes and people coming in late disrupts that. Um, it's, it's a, it's a safety thing. It's, it's a respect thing. And people, when they run into it for the first time are not that happy about it. Generally, it takes explaining why it's in place from a from a safety and a time management perspective. You guys for have like a to... pretty
0: tight script for that for oh, people yeah. in the beginning. Oh yeah. Because if you ad lib that the wrong way, oh. you're in tri- that That's a one star Google review.
1: Yeah. So we, uh, I even went, uh, we went so far as to create that copy and pastable response for every single franchise owner and general manager and yeah. whoever's handling clients 100%. to use. And people respect it once. We explain it. Um, But yeah, people get really upset about it um, at first. But for that one person who's pissed, there are 24 other people on the floor who made it on time who are thrilled that they're not wasting time or being distracted by the, you know, jackass who can't plan for traffic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and and I do and I and I love that. I for your brand and especially the way you guys carry yourself. I think that is it's almost without that it, you'd be missing a huge element of that that level of accountability. But also it's just this beautiful to have you could have one person essentially uh, you know, as people are coming in, they're that front desk, you know, greeting, making sure they're checking it with their mind, body, or whatever the fuck you're doing. Yes. Like, here's your gloves. Do you need some? Whatever it may be. And then the second class starts. I transition right into this instructor, mm-hmm. and then class will leave, and people, and you're, you know, they're not hanging out and foam rolling on the floor for 20 minutes afterwards. This is a get in, get fit, get the fuck out. Right. Right. Because you have important shit to do. Yep. And then you can go right back to doing GM important lead follow up, you yeah. know, marketing, whatever kind of stuff. And it just, it, it's amazing when you have doors open. That was, you know, one of the things I was like, ah, oh, super smart, Stu, coffee shop, smart dude, smart fucking dude. Nah, coffee shops open all goddamn day. People come in here all goddamn day. Deuce was just up there again, probably for the fifth time today. Someone comes into the coffee shop and they want to know more about what's going on in the back. And you got to have someone up front to be talking about that. Yeah. And that was just something that in my head it was like, oh, you know, GM's office here. It'll be fine. But it's it becomes a payroll burden at a certain point. And I've yeah. always just loved that lean nature of what you guys do there.
1: Totally. Um, and something that we've done – so, like, you know, Saturdays can be a shit show when it's a 7.30 class, an 8.30 class, a 9.30 class, a 10.30 class, an 11.30 class. So something that we've historically done there to, to, again – disable the need to bring in an additional individual to run the front desk is you can stagger the trainer, right? So one trainer teaches 7.30, 9.30, 11.30, the other trainer's teaching 8.30, yeah. 10.30, 12.30 or whatever those class times are and then you still always have that front desk coverage yeah. and you can pay that trainer, you know, minimum wage for that hour to sit at the desk, help with um, help with gloves and sure. whatever and that's still a very negligible overhead cost,
0: I, uh, I, I use you guys as a reference point. We have this, we have the lounge, the benefit there, but even some of the future license models are, they're not going to have this this lounge area. And explaining to them, you don't want your clients hanging out for 20 minutes after a class and like foam rolling and having a conversation. Number one is if you have that space available, you're wasting space. So you could be making money with that. You could be doing something with that space. But essentially, there is what do you see as the benefit of targeting a client? Who is looking to do that? Get in, get fit, get out. And is, because you guys still, you guys will throw a holiday party and have hundreds of people show Mm -hmm. up. You have, I mean, it's not that people lack the social connection or that there's not community there, but why does Metabolic emphasize? we purposely create you have a little bullpen or what I call a bullpen your little showers there you got the bench but it's purposely very much like how orange theory does it it's meant to be tight like yeah. it's meant to like keep people in a tight area so that it's not overly comfortable That like, you guys don't have bar stools and chairs sitting there like
1: yeah i i would say you're good get it sorry you're good jesus oh, god what a, it's like i've never done this before <laughs> it's only
0: this is your second one right you're oh still learning lord all
1: right Sorry. You're fine. Dickhead move. (laughs) Okay. So, um, uh, a phrase that, you know, my partners like to use, and I actually love it, is you plant corn, you get corn. So, that speaks to everything we put in place and the type of person it attracts. And it almost is like this, it's like this self fulfilling cycle. Everything just kind of takes care of itself because of the accountability, the, 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 rules we have in place um that the type of person that's naturally coming in we don't really even have to educate them on like hey you're actually not we don't like have people hanging out here through the next class it's like teaches itself they see it yeah they see it and it's just like yeah it's 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 who we i think have come over the years to organically attract um And Have you seen the deviation? Have you been
0: across with gyms where you've like walked in and there might be 15 people obviously in a class and then you kind of look off to the side of the warehouse and there's another 15 maybe or more people and they're kind of like hanging out or like,
1: is is that another class? Like what is that? Well, do you know what I think this kind of is bringing me to your episode with Brandon, how you talked about how you don't necessarily want their time in your gym to be the best part of their day? I kind of, it kind of brings me to that. It's like we're not... We are a really favorable impact. We have a favorable impact on their day. They they prioritize their health and their fitness, and that's what they come in to accomplish. And they have a really good fucking time while they're doing no. it. Like, we shoot the shit with our clients, and it's a really fun, um, contagious vibe. But, yeah, it's not – It's. It, it's never mistaken as social hour. Sure. It's, 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 and a, I kind of would connect it to that. The pillar of their
0: schedule more than anything else. Exactly. It's a strong pillar of their schedule. It's a thing they, they want to be at. If they miss it, they're upset because of whatever. But, you know, that best hour of the day thing, would are like, no, it was, I want to make it the best hour. I'm like, really? It's better than coming. Right. <laughs> like, no, nope. nope. no, It's way. better than your fucking six year old hitting the, the, you know, scoring the game winning goal in soccer. Can't no. Be. It can't be. Right. Really? It's not like just, it's fitness. Like, put it here. And I believe. When a gym owner believes it should be on this high pedestal, and then it it does, it gets into this thing, and I see this especially in the complex fitness models like a CrossFit or an an ITF, an Iron Tribe, or something like that, where it's like, "Hey, man, you 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 missed snatch day," and it's like, "Well, yeah, I know my my buddies were in town, they you know, I've won, they were uh, they were visiting, so I just didn't make it to the gym." Like, "Yeah, well, now you missed it, and now the progression, you're two weeks behind," like. Oh, I just, yeah, I really just kind of come here to get a workout, and I didn't realize this could be part of a thing, which really leads me to something I think I got, um, someone brought this up to us the other day. They asked, and they, they referenced you guys, and I, I'm like, I'm actually going to talk to Finn about that. You guys incorporated D-Load. Yeah. Originally, did you guys use the vernacular for Did you used to call it something else, like cardio week or yes. something? And then the marketing language, was just like, yeah, that's not this hitting. This is not right. It's yeah. not hitting.
1: Yep. Yeah. You want me to just you go really, into yeah. the nature of D-Load Week? Well, Anyone who's
0: familiar with strength conditioning kind of gets this idea. If yeah. you're on a progressive overload, let's say we're training the back squat and we're going to be at 65% in week one and then 70% in week two and whatever. And then we're going to deload. And then generally the following week after deload, we go to like PR in a, in a period, periodization, linear progression type right. thing. For general fitness, the hardest thing, and I think I've talked to, to Brandon about this, is like you guys spend a, a meticulous amount of time programming. However, in group fitness, you don't really know if anyone's going to come on the set schedule to even a, will it warrant a deload? Uh, Are they hitting every, are they, are they missing the durability days? Like how do you guys um, marriage the two things of like a structured strength and conditioning program with scheduled deloads 52 weeks out and the fact that these fuckers are completely random?
1: Yeah. So I think part of that comes in the way they structure. So MAD falls, On set times each week, but it rotates every week. And our whole staff is very tightly trained and very proficient at explaining where. whenever you're coming, it needs to be regular. So even if you're not our four-time-a-week member and you're that two-times-a-week member – try and come roughly on the same days every week and make that a part of your routine because the programming will take care of itself by the way that Kirk and Brandon have kind of brilliantly um, structured the variation of MAD and when it falls throughout the week, the month, the quarter, the year. Um, deload week, deload, so we run it after every 12-week cycle, so it comes every 13th week. And it's it's necessary, and it, was, it served... Th- A very similar purpose when we called it cardio week um but as we started to really cover more ground and want to solidify ourselves as thought leaders not just like not just a gym but you know there's a lot of bullshit in the industry and that's not what we're trying to sell we're really very much interested in a foolproof science-backed uh method of 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 enabling our clients to progress and that requires a deload week when you are putting weights in their hands anywhere from two to four to five days a week for 12 weeks straight sure um and i think because of our our membership model right i know brandon's told you that the large majority of our members of our members are on 12 month memberships we are programming for those individuals more than we are the person that's dropping in through class pass once a week and you know, we're pretty open. Like, if you come in once a week, you're just going to be chronically fucking sore sure. and not really going to make a whole lot of headway. You um, won't really
0: get what we're doing either. Like, if you just mix me, you do us on Monday and then you're doing bar on right. Tuesday, whatever. You're just never really going to catch on anything.
1: Right, right. And that and that deload week is completely necessary for the for the twelve month member who is training with us so regularly. Um And we back that with. Um, you know, blog content and and uh, replicable social media content to be able to speak to it, to educate our clients, to enable our franchisees to educate their clients uh, in the same language that we use in our corporate stores.
0: Do you guys ever, did you notice a dip in attendance when you previously would, when you would call it cardio week or now do you call it dealer? We like, oh, okay, people are just like, they're like poo-pooing this whole idea because they just want to go hard all the time because the right. consumer is... Is ego-driven? So
1: I'll say yes at first. Um, cardio week had like a good buzz, and I think people who are cardio junkies were like, oh, I can't yeah. wait for cardio week. Deload week, when we first changed it, <clears throat> I think people just didn't fully understand, and then we slowly started releasing education around what it is, why it's necessary, what you can expect, and frankly, um, over, the, over the past few years since we adjusted it to deload week, Kirk and Brandon have gotten... Better and better with how they program it, um, and attendance gets better and better. Um, so, from a marketing standpoint, too, like that matters what people are consuming on social media and their newsletters, and um, we're we're pretty cognizant of getting in front of everyone a week or two ahead of D load week to really incur like to again cover why it's important, how to attack it, um, and attendance has been negligible differences in attendance over deload week
0: i've had my uh, i have a lot of clients who are crossfit affiliates and they will we will reference this They'll you know they've heard you they've seen your social media and they understand you do this and be like Stu, if i did that my clients would they'd have immunity because they all have their own idea of this because crossfit is this this just a thing that anybody can interpret now you know you don't have a uh you don't have a Ben Bergeron up in New England creating metabolic programming that somebody can just latch. Oh, I like his version of, me- of momentum days and yeah. what he believes a deload should be. Like You don't right. have anyone creating rogue concepts of your version of strength and conditioning, which is such a beautiful thing within your own brand and mm-hmm. your own model. Do you guys find, and I, I my guess would be yes, that you generally attract the client who comes in and is just just tell me what to do? Or do you get a lot of people who become self-interested, like what I call like the, they become more autonomous fitness people. They research things. They start looking into things like, hey, I know we're doing this, but I read this article by Mike Boyle, and I think maybe should we do it like that? Do you get a lot of that? Or is it just,
1: I just come in, I shut the fuck up,
0: you tell me what to do, and that's it. That. Yeah. The latter. Yes.
1: Is, I, I actually, in my, let's see, eight years with the brand, don't recall one client confronting me with like hey I read this and why don't we do this
0: see and people are listening to this right now and they're like spitting out there because the crossfit scene is plagued by this when I mean plagued I mean I probably say like 20% of crossfit gyms spurred off because a group of clients decided the programming sucked I don't like his programming it's a very subjective statement and they just left to go create another crossfit gym that does programming that looked like whatever they fucking subjectively thought was great And that is when that what I call like the inmates running the asylum. And that was one of the things in like 2014, I saw it. I was like, I've had clients here now for like five years. Some of them are getting too, not too smart, but too subjectively opinionated about the thing. I'm like, fuck. And the reason why is because I could put CrossFit into Google and I could have thousands of blog posts interpretate, you know, interpreting what it should be. And someone could just be like, Oh, I like her version of it. Why aren't we doing her version of it? I was like, I have to get rid of that. And that began that whole process. Um, Why do you think that is? Because obviously, without the fact that you don't have outside forces saying, Matt, you know, you should be doing it like this, um, do you think it's also, you guys, you guys don't do a lot of content that is an interior deep dive look into exactly what we're doing. So you don't have a lot of like keyboard warriors. Like I saw you guys were doing rear legged, uh, leg elevated split squats the other day with that tempo. But, uh, Ian Stewart said that tempo should be four seconds and you did nine. What the fuck? Like you don't do a lot of that. You don't really show externally on your content what the internal sauce is.
1: Correct. Uh, correct. Because people don't really give a fuck yeah. about like your a lactic system yeah. or like that to a degree and i i hope this if any of my clients are listening to this i really don't mean this disrespectfully but like to a degree the the population like gen pop is just like somewhat a bunch of robots and will just want it like if they are not experts in the in a, a certain field i've my experience is that they just they need to be guided, um, and they like our members are like, trust. I think the top-down programming helps eliminate the rogue. Um, well, why aren't we doing X, Y, Z? Because we saw that this mad was doing this, and I like that better. Like, there's really <laughs> there's, yeah. that kind of gives us the. I don't want to say excuse, but you know, we can always fall on like, well, this is our. This, this is, is what everyone's
0: doing. Top down. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: Um, and we're pretty like authoritative and bold in the, in the information we do put out there um, in a way that I think captures our client's attention. And we basically keep it high level enough that we're speaking to the goals that most of them have and leading them towards how they can achieve that both with us, uh, with our nutrition blueprint. Um It's a formula, and it works for pretty much everyone that comes in there if they adhere to our guidance. That authoritative piece you said
0: I think is so important because, again, I use this CrossFit thing where anyone can attend a weekend certification, have the same now credential as someone who might be instructing them in a group class. Mm -hmm. I made a – you know, this was months ago, but we had someone in here, and I was just walking the floor – and uh doing pull-ups and was not coming to full extension i just kind of walked up and his hey you know this is 2019 i was like hey come on down like let's get full extension or get that elbow straight and he pretty much he's like no i'm good i said listen you know those sweat towels we offer at the front he goes yeah i'm like those are optional the fucking coaching isn't so let's get the full extension huh <laughs> yeah, let's go buddy okay. give a little pat on the butt and like yeah and he did you know yeah, but he just right. took a little authoritative yes let me think for green, you know, young coaches, that's a little bit hard in the beginning in there. How do you guys train coaches to have this very, listen, do as I say, and, and as I do, but like do this and let's not question it. Let's not create like, this isn't, I'm not giving the suggestions, Right. right?
1: Um, A lot of this is covered in our corporate training camp when prospective trainers have to come through Charlotte to be trained um, specifically by Kirk and Brandon. Uh, And that's pretty thoroughly covered um, on, you know, providing the roadmap of how to deal with this type of client and that type of client. Because we do like people... By and large, I- adhere to what we say and how we coach, but you do get, especially as a female trainer, you do get a lot of like the first time meathead who's in there sure. who is not going to be told how to lift by a female. Generally, it just takes me like cracking the bag for them to shut the fuck up and <laughs> listen to yeah. me. But, um, yeah. but we, it, it takes, I mean, it takes practice. Um, it takes a lot of practice, I guess, yeah. from from the trainer, but that also has to be a top-down, lead-by-example type of situation. Like, if, you're, if your owner, if, you, if the owner also coaches classes or GM and lead instructor is timid or quiet or, like, takes shit, uh, you're probably, again, if you plant corn, you're going to get corn. It's going to be a trickle-down effect. But um, a lot of that is taught at um, – At corporate training camp Um, and it also comes down to like rewind before training camp I think that comes down to how you recruit and the type of trainer that you hire do
0: you guys have teach because a lot of it what I like to talk to people about is the body language Mm -hmm. you got to look someone in the eye and you've got to be so confident and excited and I do the same thing in sales if you talk very confident excited about whatever the fuck you're talking about like Anyone who's listening to this who's ever convinced their peers, their friends to do something really fucking stupid, like, no, dude, what's the worst that's going to happen? This is going to be fucking great. Right. Like, and you sold someone on a really dumb idea, that's, you know, for sales for a really good idea, like joining a gym or whatever, it should be easy. But in coaching, it should literally be the easiest conversation because the person you're talking to does not have the prerequisite information to – counter argue you exactly yeah someone's like man my my shoulder hurts i'm like all right listen so i don't know if it's your supraspinitis infraspinitis teres minor or subscapularis but there's probably something going on with that (laughs) rotator cuff so maybe instead of trying to kip on these rings like i don't know where the fuck you got that i want you to do this strict (laughs) pulling motion and just realizing they don't even have the prerequisite knowledge to even have a debate with you and when you accept that you're like I can say anything and I own this individual. They're going to have to either listen to me or completely be deviant and rogue, which they can just, you know, at that point leave.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Body language is huge. And also, like, the scenario of what drives me crazy is if I'm I'm the client and I'm performing a movement and clearly it's not right and the trainer who maybe is more novice is watching me and, like, kind of hesitates but then, like, kind of moves on or, like – One of my biggest pieces of advice is like if you're going to pause and look at that individual, then approach them and tell them what you're seeing, because the the timidness is is very unbecoming as a a client training in your gym. Um, And we you got to be alpha about it. Yeah, Even if you're a beta behind closed doors, you got to be an alpha on the floor. Uh, And I think that, again, that comes down to hiring practices and your standards of who you're putting on your floor. Yeah.
0: I, um, you guys have a, it's not really a tagline, but it's a claim like, um, the industry's first, Uh, maybe even only strength, uh, you you clarify for me. The
1: industry's first and only Mm strength-driven interval training gym.
0: Perfect. And um, I'll be like, you know, I saw their thing. Maybe they're seeing ads for your franchise, and they're like, what is that? Like, we do strength training in my gym, and we do intervals. I'm like, here's the deal. The ingredients that we're all using are the same. They have been very bold and loud about the recipes for years, which creates a brand. Like, your brand is just a reputation, good or bad, right? right? So when you do a little bit of everything, right? Cross the gym, you're going to run a 5K for a workout one day, and then the next day you're going to lift heavy deadlifts. It's hard to become anything when you're doing everything. You guys stick to that. Talk to me about the concept, between about the lanes. A lot of people, unless they've taken one of your classes, don't understand what I believe to be one of the absolute operational capacity genius moves of all microgyms, the lanes you have.
1: Yeah, so the lanes, we call it our color coding system. And it's how we scale. It's how we offer scalability to all of our clients. And it enables- The load. Yes, exactly. Um, it, it enables us to- to train the first time novice athlete and maybe the former elite athlete. And both of them are going to get an equally amazing workout relative to where they are fitness wise. Um, It, there's, I think it's one of the reasons we don't have to have an on ramp. um, And it allows our trainers to see everything uh, even though they're 1 to 25. So our color coding system, basically, anytime there is weight involved, um, every single, we have five movements involved in each workout. Every movement will be divided by five different colors. So there's a white plate at each movement, a teal plate, and like a half teal, half gray plate, a gray plate, and a black plate. When weight is involved, white indicates the lightest weight uh, available, and black is the heaviest. So it obviously gets heavier as it goes from white to black. Um, this allows us to place a variety of, um, I guess a, a variety of, I don't want to say fitness levels. Cause like we have some super fit people who are lifting in the white and teal lanes, but based on strength, we can, um, we can scatter them all over the room. Uh, and in a way that is appropriate, we don't have to ask people to go get their own weight. So it's this like chaotic shit show of, I mean, it's, it's put in front of, it's the weight that they need to use is put in front of their face. I've, I've taken a few, like when I'm traveling, I've taken a few classes at what someone would consider to be a competitor of MAD. And it's like, all right, you know, we're squatting, grab a weight, or this is my favorite women grab 10 men grab 30. And I'm like, the fuck? (laughs) And, um, yeah so it allows for progressive overload over time there's so many I'm, I'm, my brain is moving in a million directions and I know I'm more advanced no, you're doing all great. Over this
0: process for people visualizing this you know if you were to walk me mad these facilities are super tight and and well organized but let's say the five movements you had the bag yep. so they have a, they have a great water bag for boxing um, let's say the concept two bike is out yep. let's say there is uh we'll some d-, d balls out uh-huh. and let's say last two let's say maybe we've got one that's a body weight Uh, You guys have the
1: uh,
0: slider board, something like that. And then let's say there's a dumbbell, a single dumbbell for a dumbbell snatch. These lanes, that white lane, might have the dumbbell and the D-ball, which are the two weightlifting elements of this Mm -hmm. hypothetical circuit. Would there be multiple weights? Like these are the... here's three weights that are all lighter yes. p- take your pick correct yeah.
1: yeah so there'll be it'll scale let's say we're working with a dumbbell goblet squat well from white to black we'll have a range of 15 pounds to 90 pounds yeah. that span from white to the black plates. so that basically clients can take their fucking pick with what they're comfortable with um what's nice about this system too is that even though when the workout isn't is going on when the trainer is walking the room and is like, who do I, who do I start with? It allows us to provide the trainer a formula of where to like, where to spend most of their time. Like you are starting, your priorities are the weighted elements. You're going to, you're going to categorize the movement from the most risky to the less risk to the least risky so that you can appropriately spend your time and coach the people that need to be coached. Obviously the weighted movements are going to be riskier than someone, you know, yeah punching on the bag. Um, So all of a sudden the trainer can see everyone individually with the way we've trained them to like look at movement um, and provide the hands-on one-on-one coaching attention that people are seem to be consistently pleased with when they leave our gym.
0: Yeah. We do this. We do something similar. We, you know, we triage it. So where we'll yes. select movements where do knows Okay. X amount of group are on an erg X amount of group are doing this bodyweight thing. X amount of group are doing uh, the, the dumbbell barbell work. Well, obviously, triage number one is the barbell work, right, or yeah. whatever. Like the thing that's going to probably be the most jacked up in technique and probably have the highest propensity to potentially get somebody injured or be misaligned. Boom, there. We really don't have to worry too much about the person erg from an injury standpoint. We more or less have to make sure we hit them from a technique efficiency standpoint yes. type scenario. If my eye goes off somebody on the ski erg for forty-five seconds. It's probably not going to be that big of a deal. But if that newbie is doing their kettlebell, you know, uh, deadlift for the first time, right. you know, and just allows you kind of triage when not every movement is a barbell. Like, you know, if you have 30 people all doing a barbell lifting at the same time, how do you triage 30 fuck? How, how do you, you know, zoom that in? That yeah. That makes it more
1: difficult. Yeah. And that, I think that's important for the new client too. And talking about like not having to do any kind of on-ramp or on-ramp or like pre-class class between the lane system and the way Kirk and Brandon program, like if I have someone who has come in for their first time and like, you know, they're, they're a runner and they don't have really any experience with weight training. I know where that individual is going to be at all times on the floor. Um, And maybe when she's on the bike, I don't have to worry about her and I can, uh, you know, spend my time with other clients. And when she's onto the weighted movements, I I know when that's going to be. And I know exactly like, who I need to spend most of my time on to help with movement patterns.
0: And the lanes are nice and straight, so you just move from movement, walk forward. It's like, like an assembly line, yeah, basically. Yeah, assembly line. Do you guys ever get bottlenecked? They always had that, I was always curious on that. Like, Do you ever get a class where you're like, fuck, oh, nine yes. of our strongest dudes all are here, time. and they all want the heavy lane? Yep,
1: yep, yep. Do um, they just,
0: we, well, you're in the lighter lane, but bring a heavier exactly. dumbbell?
1: We, we generally keep, we have enough equipment that yeah. when we have to move someone from a lane to lane, we'll always move the weight that they need sure. with them.
0: Yeah. It's... um. It's a, it's a, it's a, gore, it's, if you've never seen this and now for most people listening, if you don't have a mat in your city already, just wait. Um, and, but if you haven't seen it, it's a beautiful orchestra. Um, I've always, and again, coming from CrossFit where, you know, like the fight gone bad workout, <laughs> that was such a huge inspiration, uh, in the early days for Brandon and Kirk on that. It, it's, I think it's very, very efficient. Talk to me about, one thing you guys do that is still very reminiscent of a CrossFit gym is the ritual of the whiteboard and that, that brief. When you guys think about that, you guys have this really cool mag- – you guys have like a metal fucking board at the one here in South, that I love it. Yeah. Um, talk to me about that process for you guys because th- that's something even here – it was the first thing I had to get rid of. Like, as, again, me leaving the CrossFit space, the first thing I had to get rid of was, was every ritual that was CrossFit-based. And a whiteboard demo for us was one of the, the first things I wanted to get rid of. You guys still have it, and I love it, because you do. You have to define whether it's an M&A or a D-Day. Yep. Talk to me about your whiteboard briefing. And is that how important that is for a trainer it might be looked as like oh it's you know this easy part for a trainer the first part but that's actually it sets the fucking tone that. for the rest of the
1: workout exactly i mean that's 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 the importance of it it's it doesn't take long like 30 30 to 60 seconds you're done with the whiteboard speech the the meat of the of the introductory portion of the workout is going to come with our more thorough like movement demonstrations but that whiteboard speech is definitely pivotal in in setting the tone for the workout because our momentum days are distinctly different from our anaerobic days which are distinctly different from our durability days all of them carry a different work to rest ratio which demands a different pace and output Um, and that is something that needs to be made clear at the front end of the day so that a client on a, you know, at the 70% portion of our, at the 70% output of the momentum day isn't going like balls to the fucking wall uh, and shooting themselves in the foot by by the time they get to the 90%. Like we need, pace management is huge and crucial for every workout that we do, that that's, that is its primary function.
0: You and me share a very similar uh, belief in this, uh, the preference of culture over community. Yeah, So much so. So I have this 30-foot wall here. It never saw the light of day. It's just over here to the side because one of the lines in there had the word community on it. Okay. And it'll never see the light of day. That's why it's just fucking there because I cannot stand the word. Community, again, just- It's overdone. It's overdone. And when you think about it, you have no control out of the actual name of the human, the person who comes into the gym and leaves. Everybody cancels a gym on a long enough timeline. Mm -hmm. Everybody does. Fitness, especially as you get better with it, actually becomes more cyclical. People like when they become really fit, let's say you do mad for five years and they're like, you know what? I got a couple of buddies I just met and they're really in this mountain biking thing. I'm going to start doing that. So I might just do mad two days a week yeah. now, or I might take a complete hiatus and go do mountain biking. The fitter you get someone, the more opportunities they have to expand their fitness horizon. So this idea of keeping your community, the actual names and people in together is never going to happen. But John can come and like thirty years of metabolic can happen, and the culture can be exactly the same. The community will not,
1: though. I agree with that. Oh uh, yeah, I completely agree with that. I think so. I think there f- for us, we kind of scratch the community itch that that people seem to love externally, like uh, community in the traditional sense of like you know the CrossFit community where they do their workout and then they're are sticking around for another fucking hour shooting the shit where we want people in and out. Like when they're in the gym, uh, the cult, it's a, it's a put your head down, get to work. I'm here to make myself better and fuck off type of culture. Uh, And we provide the, we provide the community, I guess, through our local relationships. Um, I am much more interested as opposed to like leading an after class stretch for everyone to you know, roll their hamstrings out or whatever. I'd rather partner with Stretch Lab down the street and outsource those needs so that um, so that that client can get what they need from someone else, and that serves. That's a benefit to the client. It's a benefit to the local business. If you can partner with local businesses, you're very passively getting your name into the mouths of another business who is going to put eyes on your brand. Who that otherwise may have never looked at you?
0: Um, you guys do that well. I remember, uh, and there was you guys really pushed marketing towards it. You guys had the mad perks. mad perks. yeah, mad perks. Explain to people what that is.
1: So, mad perks is our it's a it's a program that's exclusive to our 12 month members, and it is structured as both uh, an attraction uh, tool and a retention tool. Uh, attraction from the standpoint of like someone who is newer in our doors and deciding what membership they want to go on. Maybe they look at this list of mad perks partners where they get, so mad perks provides discounts, um, internally and externally at participating businesses to our 12 month members. So maybe a new client is deciding what membership they want to join. They see that the 12 month member gets all of these additional perks in house and externally, and that could be an additional attraction tool from a retention standpoint. Um, our 12 month members are our most loyal, uh, Uh, supportive customers. And this is, it's almost like a thank you for your time. We'll, we'll do a little work on the back end to see what we can score you uh, at your favorite local businesses. It also, uh, we place a lot of emphasis on local business partnerships. Um, Owner to owner, I am so happy to promote the business another high-performing local business like we're not just going to partner with anyone we want it to be a high-performing business that people would get excited to see happy to promote them and it almost it's like this symbiotic relationship where like it organically happens that you you blow them up and they blow you up right back and you don't you know it's a little harder to track roi with leads from that standpoint um But the number of people that come in that are like, "Oh, I saw Eight and Sand posted about you all, and I actually live right above Eight and Sand, so I walk down the light rail." And um, it's a very, it's a multifaceted. There's a multifaceted benefit to that Mad Perks program. Um, And while it could be easy to putting something like that in place, isn't too difficult. Where it becomes more demanding is continuing to pay attention to it. Like we don't want, fran- like it's something we teach to our locations, right? And we don't want our, our other franchise owners to just, you know, start their Mad Perks program. They get three on like, cool, let's call it a day. Like you want to continually pay attention to it, um, add to it, promote the existing move partnerships. People from it if the business exactly. starts doing a shitty job. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the, Long and short, really, just the long and long of Mad Perks. Yeah, I, you know, that's such a
0: good entry level, like, that anyone listening to this can do for B2B. I I really push that micro gyms if you have the bandwidth, if you're failing and you got to coach it, like, I'm not talking about you, but, like, if you have the bandwidth and you're more sophisticated of an operation – I love the podcast idea. I love interviewing other businesses and creating that collaboration, um, especially if you have an entrepreneurial spirit, which we're very fortunate in Charlotte to have a crazy entrepreneurial yes. spirit. Um, it's uh, it's very cool. I love what you guys did, but you guys have even, you guys have done a very good job, and I get asked this time, how do I infiltrate somewhere like Lululemon, like what Alchemy 365 has done or what Metabolics did?" I'm like, well, step one, there's not like... It's not like knowing someone. Right. It's not like any it's not like Finn knows Chip Wilson. Right. like calling Chip Wilson up yeah. and being like, first off, you're a dick, but like second <laughs> of yeah. but second of all, right. can we get in there? Yeah. You actually have to be good at a thing and it's pretty organic. The people that fucking work there work out at the gym yes. and after a long enough time you know that worker was a just a basic retail associate at at Lulu and two years later they're a manager and they get to make the decision as to who's a fucking ambassador who they do a strategic partnership with all that
1: yeah that's literally
0: I mean is there anything else to that
1: so yeah I mean sharing this stuff it's not like I'm like oh I can't give away our secrets like it's not really a secret you just have to give a shit and work hard like and by work hard I mean show your fucking face it requires you to leave your gym doors regularly enough that you become a familiar face it should be organic I've had um so I've been fortunate enough to be a lululemon ambassador for the last three years and so I get questions a lot like how do I get how do I become an ambassador um from local for either local or through my dms other other fitness people um and it's not you you don't just go in and ask to be an ambassador you don't apply for it yeah it's a very organic relationship that starts with I think it starts with you going in there. I think Being a there's, customer. Yeah, a customer. Or even just going into, like, I would go in, when I started my uh, position at GM, I would go in, I'd put a backpack, stuff a few mad T-shirts, and, like, a stack of 10 for 10 cards with a special promo code that enabled all Lululemon employees to come try our 10-day yeah. trial for free. Um, and that was, you know, how I started, introduced myself, and then I continued to show my face like I I learned the names of the educators that work in there not just the store manager um, and it's not like I spent every day in there but I went you know bi-weekly just to like yeah. say hi and 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 it just kind of took off from there it's one person started to come to mad and then they brought another employee and they brought two more employees and now we have a a very like healthy staff of lululemon employees that are 12-month members with us um so i would just say like you have to you have to be willing to leave your doors like a lot of this this is a way you uh, as we hate the word community and how cheesy and overdone it is this is a way to scratch that itch without like selling into – like, selling out into that, like, fucking cheesy, overdone yeah. sense of community. Somebody
0: has to want to be a local celebrity. And I, yeah. I told people this. I said, you know, when CrossFit Southend was at its peak, there was very few places I could go where I would not bump – where I would not have some, hey, Stu, and it was a client or – the uh, a waitress, a bartender, the owner of the establishment wasn't or had been a client in some in some way, shape, or form. where I didn't know everybody, and like, it's like I only need to be relevant in Charlotte. Like, yeah, I need people to know who I am, right. and and even maintain relationships. Like you said, when we were uh, we were R and D in our flex class, and I I asked it was the South Park location. Henry Wynn came in and Cole and a bunch of and we just had a bunch of Lula people come in, and I needed R and D. I needed an unbiased feedback, so we tested a bunch of classes. People came in. And then when it came time to launch it, we did a a think collab with them and we ran three classes, 50 people a piece back to back to back and tested this whole thing out. And it was, it was this amazing, um, you know, synergistic, you know, orchestrated event. And it was just, it's just by actually making the effort to go in it, like be a customer. Number one, like go in, you don't go in and ask for shit if you haven't bought from them. Number one, but number two, you, they, people, if you're a person in your community, especially you're an owner or a GM or whatever, you're somebody and you are putting your brand up on social, your own personal brand or that, people see that, especially like a Lululemon, you know, if anyone's not familiar with their corporate structure, they will give a, a certain amount of a stipend to certain employees, you know, encouraging them to fitness it up in the city yeah. and, and be around. But that's just one of those things where also the other thing too is like, does your brand match that? I've had some gyms, you know, reach out. I'm like, listen, you've got dog hair all over your fucking floor. It's a fucking shit show in there. <laughs> Lululemon doesn't want anything to fucking do with you. No offense. No offense. True. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's interesting because I think a lot of people are like, man, if I get that strategic partnership and there's Lululemon t-shirts up in my retail shop, everything will change. I'm like, no, nothing will change for you. It'll right. be cool. That's kind of it.
1: Right. We actually, So we actually carried branded yeah. Lululemon for gear a for yeah. a bit. Um, and then it ended up being a little too much, too cumbersome of a process. And I'll tell you like, that initiative didn't like. It was cool. Our members sure. loved it and, and bought it, but that wasn't like solving any yeah, you issues. Yeah, there was like, a
0: line outside the door. the I right. said, "I heard you sell Lulu and you do some fitness. Exactly. Let me exactly. Yeah, the
1: relationship with Lululemon was far more is far more uh, serving and fulfilling than like putting your logo on a metal vent and putting it in your lobby. I think another another big mistake that gym owners or managers, uh, make with Lululemon is their ex or, you know, any brand like that is their expectation that because, you know, a lot of people know that Lululemon, um, they, you know, sell some dope athletic threads but they also exist to support local fitness studios and they have um at least historically I'm not sure what the current situation is but they've had budgets to help new locations you know launch or um to product test on certain trainers and and I feel like a lot of leaders in fitness like expect them to just like come to you and do all this shit for you when like it's not really like that they they're maybe more inclined to help out and partner with you if you're a decent human and go in and learn their names and and it 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 needs to be mutual. You can't just like sit on your ass and and expect that because y- your gym exists. That yeah. Lululemon owes you something because you're a gym um 2 miles from their storefront.
0: Did you ever used to be anti Lulu? No. Dude, I was so anti Lulu back in the day. I was like, "Fuck that!" I'm like, I work out without a shirt on. I don't oh, even like, oh. I'm like. I'm like, like, it's early CrossFit days. It was so typical, but I was like, "Fuck this!" I'm never spending that kind of money on whatever. I'm like, and then one time, um, Duncan Littlefield shows up. He's doing photo shoots for Lulu, and he just walked into the gym. One day. He's like, "I got to do this photo shoot in front of the Panther Stadium. Would you mind we grab some barbells, whatever, and do it? I'll give you a bunch of free shit." I was like. Yeah, fuck, I got nothing else to do
1: with it. And then you They're, were ruined. Done. fucking done. Oh, that's how my husband fucking was. Done. He thought it was so re- – So, yeah, and then I put him in yeah. one, like, five-year basic. Yeah. He was like
0: – Be like, yeah, I'm just going to wear this. That's all I'm ever going to wear. I
1: do remember, like, when I was just out of college and, like, cognizant of what I – you know, my budget, I would um, – I, like, you know, tried – I mean, I'll, I'll blow them up. I tried Athleta. Just no. garbage yeah. comparatively. There's yeah. nothing – Truly, nothing like it. And they're like, just they're good people. Their yeah. customers are Canadians, man. Canadians, fucking just Canadians. Canadians are.
0: That, that line you were dropping earlier—you plant corn, you plant get corn. corn. I'm like, that's corn. such a simple, brilliance Canadian fucking line. I can't even like, take credit just, for that. That the, is all. Yeah, that's just such a Canadian thing. Just like that simple, quiet brilliance mm-hmm. that they have up there. Just so much wisdom up north. It's true. Watching all those fucking animals down here. Just I know. Fuck everything. I know. Up. <laughs> 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 what um, yeah. what? So one thing I think is also really interesting. You, with what you do, you, especially because you have, it, it's, you know, you have this side hustle kind of thing with your nutrition coaching, and mm-hmm. you have this really cool brand with that, and people, especially locally, with the majority of your clients local?
1: Uh, I'd actually say I'm more of like a 50-50 split. I do have some local clients, and yeah, has I'd say 50-50, fun, has 50 Has that yeah. been
0: fun expanding? Be like, Wichita, Kansas, how the fuck? Like, you know, <laughs> or like somewhere yeah. where there's not a metabolic maybe. like Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Because... Like the application, I, yes, their fitness regimen definitely is is accounted for when I'm when I'm working with them and and programming their plan. Yeah. But um, the approach I take is just it's fixed science. Yeah. And even though I think she's a a hack to a degree
0: you have a very badass Jillian Michaels vibe <laughs> right like so I, I hate to I don't want to insult sure, sure. you at all on <laughs> yeah. that but it, just from a badass like you know what you're going to get like if you if you want to work with me yep. you know it's going to be this kind of like it's fun you know uh, girlfriend she was listening to me leave audio messages I have this app for all, every gym I work with and I we just do audio messages back and forth instead of fucking emails with cool. six paragraphs it's dope I like it's that it's so much faster like I literally can answer an entire inbox's worth of questions Ooh. while driving I'll talk. I'll show it to you later but I'm leaving a message and I'm just going off and she's like holy shit you talk to people like that who pay you money I was like <laughs> okay. I feel like they'd quit if I didn't like they have an expectation <laughs> they pay me to talk to them they like this literally have an expectation because they <laughs> they if you get to me or I think if someone gets to you they're like I literally want someone who's gonna fucking tell me what's up like yeah. like that coach in high school or college that You knew was going to treat you well, would do fucking anything for you. And you, you, but you also knew they were going to pull the best version out of you.
1: Yeah. You can be empathetic and a hard ass at the same time, you know? Yeah. And it's not hard ass to be a hard ass. It's hard because I know what you're capable of.
0: Right. And if you, if I don't squeeze you a little bit here, you're never going to realize it yourself. The best realization any of us have is of ourself probably came from the influence of another human being. Yeah, no doubt. Very rarely is it self-aware. Like I just got up and I just realized I was fully capable of all this. <laughs> like, no, yeah. your grandfather died and left you a note you read or uh-huh. fucking you saw your brother did something or so that coach or that teacher, someone did something to help that entire situation. Yeah. Um. With, with what you do with the nutritional coaching and this, what I did is, one to many business model, which I'm in as well. And our time becomes the bottleneck in scaling, yeah. right? So a lot of people got into online coaching during the pandemic. Sure. And there's a lot of people doing it at, you know, I heard your podcast, you know, you started at a really dog shit oh, low rate. Yeah. And, um, and then you, you, you'll, you eventually sophisticate that. You sophisticate sophisticate your systems, the intake forms, who you're working with. Where do you see that for you, is that just going to constantly be a side hustle growth for you? Because you've got this corporate amazing trajectory with mad and you've obviously you're embedded in that culture and that's probably the majority of your, your trade. But where do you ever see that? Like, okay, it's going to get big enough and then I'm going to hire Finn jr. To help me manage this or someone else.
1: I wouldn't say that is off the table, but that's not on the table right now, if that makes sense. Like I keep a lean nutrition client roster. Cause it's really like, that's not something that is, Necessarily paying my bills, it it it's it's a nice additional. In revenue college, we call it beer
0: like more than beer money. Play money, but yeah, yeah, right. play money yeah, play yeah, money, yeah. Um, and it, re- money. and it
1: really fulfills me. But my uh my involvement with Mad is far more fulfilling, and I really what I love is that I can kind of integrate the two. Like my personal brand is very much intertwined with the Mad brand, um and through my nutrition coaching. I've gained some client, like locally, a lot of them will come over to Mad and try it out. And then I get to see them in house. And I uh, I don't, I'm probably not really even answering your question. I think that's, I think it's a possibility. Um, It's just nice that it's something I'll always be able to do. I can press pause on it when I want to. I can kickstart it back up when I want to. Um, There are no plans right now to take it much further than where it is. But I, I'm not like shutting off that possibility. Yeah, and you
0: guys, um, you brought it out to the Self Made Summit, the blueprint, the you nutrition. Had blueprint. App, yeah, and, and and people were beyond impressed with what you had created with that whole thing. What percentage of your clients do you believe, I'm Mad, come in, ask about the nutrition, maybe read the blueprint, mm-hmm. do dick all with it? A it's lot, li- yeah. A lot. I w- I would agree. I would say probably less than twenty percent will ever really fuck with the nutrition.
1: Exactly. That's the that's probably the um, the. Twenty percent would probably be the figure I'd throw out there. It's really there to serve as a an, uh, an added value an amenity. Like, it's free; anyone can download it. Like someone who works out at Urban Movement four yeah. times a week oh, can 100%. download it yeah. and and use it and see success with it. Yeah. Um, We've had clients uh, R- R- Struble, Rachel Struble, I think did she yeah, work with you? Yep, yeah, 100 yes. percent, yep. Um, so it's it's just yeah, it's exactly. It's an it's an amenity. When we first created it, we were like, do we charge for this?
0: Use That's it as a lead grab on the website, exactly. give it to clients a hundred percent. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um And I can see myself like tinkering with that. And we've had like internal conversations of like, do we do something more with this? Do we not? But I do think that I've, I've seen, I don't know if it's a mistake or not, but taking, the, we don't, we don't want to lead with nutrition. I think we're not, I don't want to be we're not trying to be this convoluted like are they fitness or are they a nutrition brand like it is just it is a it is a value add to our primary product and I think that you can run the risk as an owner like trying to push nutrition too hard that the training program becomes a little too convoluted. Yeah. And
0: I, I, for me, we did nutrition all in house for many, many years. Every month I did the nutritional seminar. So any, any of the new clients, we'd get like 80 some percent of them to attend. And any previous clients could attend this nutrition seminar. I did every single month live in person. And Mm -hmm. I'm, when you have proteins, there's glucagon and carbs and insulin. And I'm doing the whole fucking song and pony dance up there. And then, uh, Matt Dangler came into my life and I met him (sighs) and I was like, I'm like, here's the deal, brother. I'm done, so like yeah. we do not want this at all. We do not want this arm of the business. You're local here, you know. I want to just utilize you, and that, and we outsourced it straight yeah. out. And for and then, but I got you know, I've got friends and colleagues in this. You're like, man, but how do you how do you not marriage the two things? And I'm like, my goal is not to make people the healthiest version of them. I can't, there's just 24 hours in a day. I get them for one. I just like, I, I, my mission is not making people the healthiest version of themselves. My mission is providing people a very specific kind of workout for a very specific kind of person. It's utility. And I can't even with training, you know, I, someone asked me the other day, like, are people getting results in here? I'm like, I like to think so, but I'll be honest. I have one out of the 24 hours to actually touch them. I cannot stop them from doing a Coke bender on the weekend.
1: Right. Right, like (laughs) I mean, like,
0: so in that regard, I I think maybe I'd be full. I'd love to think that people are coming in here. And if you're coming in here consistently, yes, you are getting fitter, healthier. I have no idea. Right. Fitter, possibly. But there's definitely a... There's not, it's not one in the same, fitness and health. You can go way, you can be very fit and very fucking unhealthy.
1: Well, and I'll tell you too, like a lot of, uh, I do have a handful of clients who are like very interested in performance nutrition and leveling up their their athletic performance, which that's really fun for me to work with. Whereas the bigger majority are people who I'm like trying to just like break toxic. Coca-Cola. Yeah. Well, I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to break these like, this toxic stream of misinformation that they're consuming or that I'm trying to break fears of just like the word calorie or um I'm like educating them on the basic need for carbohydrates and it's like a lot of it is is helping someone I'm, I'm helping a lot of women specifically um cut the cord with diet culture and that's very fulfilling to me, but I also feel like I do that for free on my Instagram as well with how I educate, and I kind of enjoy doing that when I don't have the bandwidth for a big nutrition roster. I do enjoy being able to reach more people with, like, basic atomic mind bombs sure. um, on my on my social media and i've seen page. that you're like
0: you see this burger it's got a brioche bun You yeah. eat the fuck out of that brioche yeah. bun right and it's, like and yeah. this IPA i'm going to crush that shit like yeah. this balanced which i think mixes very well with the brand of Matt as well this entire thing would you say you cater i'd say our clients definitely here it's a uh, work hard play hard scenario like Absolutely. all lot of some, well, people come into this gym and they will we used to we used to have a run club so we have run club at 8 a.m. and then we'd have our morning classes and we'd people do back-to-back kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's like, okay. And hours later, like hours I would see them at Sycamore just fucking just as if it was their birthday or New Year's Eve I'm just like good god like play hard work hard in and out do you guys get that?
1: Yes totally our uh, our anniversary party every year which you kind of referenced like whenever we're setting the budget for that we're like fuck our people really drink <laughs> yeah. and we've gotta like <laughs> think about that and every time like we had it at uh, the Not Just Coffee on J Street which is a pretty big space I don't know if you've been there before yeah. Um, but like even James Yoder the owner there was like tallying up our dad was like jesus you guys really yeah yeah that's yeah. really knock them back <laughs> but uh yeah i it, mean alcohol and partying is especially where we are in charlotte we are a
0: millennial fucking young this is like you know even like young parents like you and me they're still in that you know you get together with their college buddies or any like even in that environment and it, it's very much a social fun all that kind of stuff and the two things fitness and all that can live harmoniously yes you don't see the bigger brand. The bigger brands will completely shy away from that. Like, uh, berries, they get fancy with alcohol and they'll party with Skinny Girl Margarita and do some things like that. But some of the bigger brands don't even touch alcohol or that element with a fucking 10 foot stick. Or
1: it's a no. Like, it's, there are yes. a lot of no lists, yeah. right? Like, Orange Theory and sure. F45's nutrition challenges, I've seen them, will be like, you know no X, no Y, no Z. And it's like this exhaustive list of everything you can't have, which just perpetuates this fucking horrific societal relationship with food that so many people have. Um, And unfortunately, I think a lot of that is created by people who have no business um, instructing people how to eat or uh, without legitimate nutrition credentials. And it's, it's a it's a real problem yeah. because so they have the attention of so many fucking people who robotically take what any fitness trainer says as fucking scripture. Uh, and I've just, yeah. So I find myself breaking a lot of those like, yes, actually carrots are okay to eat. I know that you heard that they're a little they're high too high in sugar, in sugar, sugar but um, you're not going to solve your problems by axing carrots and then face planting into a tub of almond butter and blending a stick of butter into your coffee yeah. in adherence with your corporate fucking nutrition challenge yeah, yeah, yeah. but mct
0: oil bro yeah um, <laughs> Oh boy. Listen I'm in ketosis. I, uh, I'm pissing on my pH strips and <laughs> it's um it's crazy. But is this
1: apple gonna kick me out of ketosis?
0: Oh my yeah. It's uh and again, nutrition is just one of those things. Yeah. it'll always be an uphill battle because yes. you know, fitness and nutrition are these two things. Um ex wife shown a hair slime, we'd always joke around. I'm like, I do what you do with zero instant gratification. <laughs> they go to her and they drop six hundred bucks on fucking extensions and Brazilian this and whatever the fuck, they walk out.
1: Boom. So happy. Different. Immediate confidence different booster.
0: Someone drops $600 on like maybe a three-month paid in full or whatever here, and they're like, I don't look a- I look marginally different. Like, right. have you ever seen anyone really dedicated to a year of working out? Unless they came super overly fat, and it's like pebbles off a mountain. right? Like when I'm like, oh my God, look at the transformation. Like, yeah, but that fuck face was 400 pounds. Right. Like, I love it. Good <laughs> for them. I'm very happy for them. But at, they could have just... Started walking and playing with a tennis ball, and right. they would have fucking right. seen amazing yeah. results. Bottom line, but yeah, the average the average human, you know, just average, want doing a a year's worth of exercise, you won't look phenomenal. Fino- I mean, you in some scenarios, but it won't be. I think the radical change most people, whatever the fitness industry, this is a tough thing to sell. Find me some other place where you'd sign up for a twelve month contract, and let's just take, let's say it's two hundred dollars a month over twelve, and we're talking that amount of money, twenty four hundred dollars. And you don't get anything for it. Right. Like you literally like if I spend twenty four hundred dollars anywhere, I'm walking away with a product, or if it's a service, my AC's fixed. Yeah. Or like the thing, like fitness <laughs> is this, like here's a bunch of money uh-huh. and now just sit and wait.
1: Right. You know? Yeah. And, and also
0: not just wait, you could give me all this money and get none of it if you actually don't come in and shove. It's such a very unique industry yes. in, that, in that regard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
0: Finn, I, uh, I think you're an absolute badass. If I want people, I, especially the females that listen to this, the, the few, I'm working on that. I'm working on that. Hopefully,
1: hopefully, <laughs> maybe, you're, can maybe, help maybe, you. maybe you're helping
0: me out here. Um, <laughs> If anyone's got questions, and I and I really encourage anyone in a uh, employee role within an organization, maybe who's having some frustrations or things like that, or anyone even interested in a Metabolic franchise, I want them to reach out to you. What I do not want, and I, you fuckers listening, do not bother this fucking badass woman with how does Metabolic do this and like don't fucking ask her for that shit because I know some people listening is like are gonna want like last week's programming. Do not bother on that shit. But if you have legit fucking questions. Where can they reach you?
1: Uh, you can reach, best way is find me on my Instagram handle. It's just my first name, last name, at Finley Funston.
0: Cool. I'll link that down in the show notes. Finn,
1: thank you so much for coming. Thanks in for having this today. me. This, this was, was cool. Yeah, this was fun. Thank you.